please join us for the seventh episode of Bewitched. The witches are out. Bewitched, bothered and bewildered, am I? Welcome to Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered our podcast about magical sitcoms from the 1960s. I'm Frank. And I'm Molly. And you're joining us for the seventh episode of Bewitched. The witches are out. But before we get started, we're going to give you a brief synopsis. A trio of elderly witches, Bertha, Mary, and Aunt Clara, approach Samantha and ask for her help. They want to combat Halloween depictions of witches. Darren's latest client wants to use a stereotypical ugly witch to promote his company's Halloween candy. Darren is fired for creating a campaign featuring a beautiful, curvaceous witch. In retaliation, the four witches team up to give Darren's client a taste of his own medicine. Excellent. The beautiful, curvaceous witch is the weirdest part of this whole friggin' thing. Oh, uh, there is so much to talk about. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is a minefield of an episode. Yeah. So, all right, first scene. As the show opens, Samantha is hosting a small tea party in the Stevens living room, and she's got two elderly guests, Bertha, who they later name Aunt Hagatha, and Mary. Yeah, that's true. She is Aunt Agatha. And the actress playing Bertha, her name is Rita Shaw. She's just in so many things, right? I remember her best probably from Mary Poppins. She played one of the two housekeeper maids. Oh, of course, I should know that. I watch that every day. (laughs) But she was in a million TV shows and guest starring roles. But Mary Poppins is the thing that I always think of immediately when it comes to her. She was also in the Doris Day version of The Pajama Game. The Ghost and Mrs. Muir. Oh, yeah. I was a big fan of The Ghost and Mrs. Muir. Hey, that is something that we should take up possibly later because it started in 1968 and it's a magical show. I never thought of that. Did you ever see the original film? I think I did. It's really good and creepy and sad. And they kind of turned it into a quasi-Mr. Belvedere sitcom. (laughs) She's also in a 1966 show called The Ghost and Mr. Chicken with Don Knotts. That's a very famous film, yes. Those cookies smell scrumptious, Samantha. Oh, thank you, Bertha. (laughs) You must give me the recipe. Sam rolls out the tea service, and they have some fairly stock dialogue. Yeah. Bertha won the pie baking contest at the fair this year, didn't you, Bertha? 
Well, it was my turn. Now, who would like milk with their tea? You've done enough, dear. You come right over here and sit down. We'll take care of it ourselves. It's only then, when they levitate their teacups, that they reveal that they're witches. They use a spell. Did you see that spell? Absolutely. Zolda, <laughs> Pranket, Kopek, Lum. Zolda, Pranken, Kopek, Lum. <laughs> Between all the hand-waving and the recitation of the incantation, it actually seems like much more work to use witchcraft to get your damn teacup than it would have been just to pick it up with your hands. Zolda, Pranken, Kopek, love. Yeah, Samantha does much more efficient magic. In like one-fifth of the time, she's enjoying her tea. Yeah, no, you're right. I'm trying to give it up. <laughs> They're very classic older ladies with mm -hmm. a very classic tea set, flowery bone china cups. And they look embarrassed when Samantha serves herself by hand. Yes. Why do you think they look so embarrassed? We know that it, it's weird not to use your witchcraft. It's kind of like getting up to change the channels on the television set, even though the remote is sitting right in front of you. Well, I think that it's like there was this woman who became a leader in the NAACP. She became like a regional manager or something, and it was ultimately revealed that she was a white woman pretending to be black. And so she was disgraced. Oh, no. Similarly, I think that when they see Samantha acting like a mortal, she's pretending to be something that she's not. And it seems silly or embarrassing to them. That's how I take it. There's a big difference between these older witches and Endora, though. Endora is ultra-sophisticated in her own weird bohemian way and very chic, and she's a woman of the world. These old ladies look like they belong in Morning Glory Circle. Yes, that's true. They baked a pie. Yeah. They're drinking tea. The stuff they're talking yeah. about, they're considerably more homely, yeah. both in their appearance and in their dress, than Endora ever is. Not so cosmopolitan. No. Shouldn't that Clara be here by now? She certainly should. You know, I worry about that woman every time she steps out of the house. She's getting on, you know, and she's, well, let's be frank, she's gone a little funny. And stubborn. I offered to pick her up, but no, she insisted on flying by herself. <laughs> Have either of you flown with Clara lately? Not lately. Suicide. Plain suicide. Uh, there's someone at your front door, dear. I didn't hear anything. So Aunt Clara comes in. She landed on the highway. Oh, my stars, Aunt Clara, what happened? Oh, I got the spell all wrong, and I, I got all mixed in the spell, and I got landed in the middle of the freeway. <laughs> oh, good gracious. Well, here, we'll just get you straightened out. And everything. Come on in. Now, that, oh, you look lovely. Yeah, we'll dust you off a little bit. Now, come on. Oh, oh.
She comes in and makes a lot of excuses for the weird way that she got there and that she couldn't fly. And she even says, my powers are just fine. Hello, Clara. Now you sit down, Aunt Clara. I'll pour you a nice cup of tea. Oh, no, 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 I can do that myself. Well, I'm not as old as all that, you know. Well, now, let me see, now, let me see. Zolda, Pranken. And then she tries to levitate the teacup with the same spell, but the teacup crashes to the floor. She forgets the middle word. Yeah. In the future, will you please ask? I didn't want any tea anyway. And my powers are just as good as ever, so don't get pernickety with me. There really is no established rule on whether incantations need to be spoken aloud in the bewitched verse, but here it's used as a plot device to show us how forgetful and befuddled Aunt Clara is. Yeah, I think they must be just made-up words. I tried to look it up. (laughs) And the only thing I see is that the words appear again in a later episode where, and I remember this episode too, where Uncle Arthur gives Darren a charm Mm -hmm. and teaches him a spell, and it's the exact same words. Oh, is it really? (laughs) The point is, I I was hoping they would have some, you know, actual occult source, but I think <laughs> somebody just made it up, and then later, they were writing the Uncle Arthur story, and they said, what were those magic words again? And they yeah. just looked it up. <laughs> they didn't bother to make up new ones. They recycled. It's just that at this time of year, I, I, you know, it sends me all flowy. <laughs> I hate Halloween. I hate Halloween. Before we move forward with the plot, do you want to talk a little bit about Aunt Clara? Oh, I love Aunt Clara. She is one of my very favorite characters. She's so sweet, and everybody's always being mean to her. <laughs> they kind of act like her inability to do spells and magic is is disgusting, which is weird because it's just very much like dementia. She's having a lot of senior moments. Yeah, and Samantha's always very kind and gentle with her. Mm-hmm. It's kind of respectful and also kind of doting and maybe a little bit condescending, possibly. A little enabling. Yeah, a little in- enabling and condescending. She kind of just makes things right for her. But these other ladies are just so mean. Yeah, before Aunt Clara arrives, both Bertha and Mary are gossiping about her, and their complaints pretty much parallel elderly people's driving skills and older people's confusion and stubbornness. Yeah. But Aunt Clara herself has got this very unique stammering delivery, and her halting speech is very, very touching. She was on Bewitched for four seasons, played by an American actress, Marion Lorne. Did Mary and Lauren do other things? I remember her the most for being a crazy doddering mother in Hitchcock's Strangers on a Train. Oh. Well, I do hope you've forgotten all about that silly little plan of yours. Which one? <laughs> about um, blowing up the White House. Oh, my. I was only fooling. Besides, what would the president say? <laughs> You're a naughty boy, Bruno. <laughs> well, you can always make me laugh. 
the stranger on the train who happens to become the murderer, the deranged murderer, she plays his mom. You get to see oh. a little bit of insight into his home life. And uh, he is a demented, wealthy, spoiled rich kid. And she seems to be at least partially to blame for enabling him. Is her style of speech and character similar? Yeah, yeah. Marion Lauren falls into that category of American actors who, to me as a kid, sounded very, very British. Right. I'm sure that's by design. Yes. At the end, I think a lot of the witches, Endora, Aunt Clara, Maurice, Samantha's father, are not only meant to sound British, they, I think they're supposed to be British. When we finally catch up with Maurice in his native habitat, in his stomping grounds, we see him in his gentleman's club in London. That's true. They're definitely worldly and like world travelers. But you never really know where Aunt Clara keeps her doorknob collection. <laughs> we know she has one. <laughs> we do. We do. We, we do see it. I mean, I, I think she brings it with her in the episode where Samantha finally meets Darren's parents, which is a great episode. Oh, yeah. That's coming right up, isn't it? It is. It is. And it, it's a much more Aunt Clara focused episode than this one. But we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, let's move on. Absolutely. We flash over to Darren in the office with his mouth stuffed full of Halloween candy and this classic bewitched man character <laughs> smoking a cigar and really pushy and just real salesman-y. Well, they're very good. Good. Why, they're the best Halloween candies our company's ever put out on the market. Here, try some more. Well, I haven't finished with what I have. Boy, boy. <laughs> He is the new client, Mr. Brinkman, and his company makes Halloween candy that looks like circus peanuts and large orange gumdrops, basically unwrapped candy. Yeah, it looks like those orange slices. Yeah. Because they're big. Yeah, they're really big. Looks like a sticky bag of big, chewy, gummy things. It's the kind of candy that my mom would always make me throw out as soon as we got home from trick-or-treating. Yeah, it's not wrapped. Yeah, exactly. Caramel and candy apples, too. Yeah, all that homemade stuff. And anything that didn't have a wrapper around it was in the garbage. Because of the urban myth about razor blades in the candy apples. And poison pixie sticks. I grew up during the poison pixie oh. stick hysteria. What was your favorite Halloween candy, Molly? Ooh, anything chocolate. Hmm. I like chocolate. You know, I also like those peanut buttery chews that are kind of like garbage candy. <laughs> wait, wait, which, which ones are they? <laughs> They're wrapped in black or orange wrappers. Okay. It's like a chewy peanut buttery. Those were one of my favorites. Those are Mary yeah. Jane peanut butter kisses. Oh. They used to be only available at Halloween. Yeah, so they're a Halloween candy. Yeah. And it was great because the peanut butter is kind of a little salty, and the coating around it is sort of molasses-y. Yeah, those were good. What's the worst Halloween candy? Fruit. Fruit. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, you know, I, I lived in a, in a pretty posh neighborhood in New York uh, uh -huh. gr growing up, and anytime anyone came to the door from a, at a really nice house and they brought something homemade— I was completely disinterested in it. I, I, <laughs> oh, we, we just baked this or we just made this. And I, I, what is it about children that you always go for the garbage option? Yeah. No, I don't want a homemade hamburger. I want a McDonald's <laughs> cheeseburger. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I, I don't want 
homemade chicken. I want Chicken McNuggets or KFC. It, it's it was always about the junkiest option, and in the same way, I think anything homemade had no cachet when it came to Halloween trick or treating. So my worst candy. <laughs> yes. Candy corn. Oh, I love candy corn. Oh, I hate candy corn. Oh, I adore it. So here's an interesting <laughs> story that happened to me when I was a professor. One of my medical students was the candy corn heiress. Her grandfather invented candy corn. I love it. Isn't that great? That is great. Her family's riches came from candy corn, <laughs> <laughs> which would be really cool to be, except that I hate candy corn. I'd rather be the peanut kiss heiress, but whatever. <laughs> she was delightful, too. Lovely young woman. I'm sure she's a great doctor somewhere now. That was quite a while ago. Her fortune was built on cavities. <laughs> well, she should have been a dentist. <laughs> that Maybe that been, was too much of a it, slap it, in the face it, to the family legacy. A little bit too on the nose. A little too on the nose, right. <laughs> now, what we wanted was a special campaign devised to run through the entire Halloween season, right? Mm. <laughs> Nice and chewy, aren't they? Now, of course, the first thing we needed was a highly identifiable trademark, right? I'm sure I can come up with something for you, Mr. Brinkman. You don't have to come up with a thing. I know exactly what I want. He's a very pushy, obnoxious client, and he's already come with his own incredibly uninspired pitch. I don't even know why he's hiring an advertising company if he if he's already come with his own ideas. And his great big idea is that he wants the ugliest caricature of a witch to be on his candy company's new logo. Darren does a really strong Darren eyebrow when he says witch. Did you notice that? Oh, yeah. Darren has these looks. <laughs> and he gives a classic Darren look. A witch. <laughs> I think it's just one eyebrow goes up. And all of this is intercut with Bertha and Mary telling Samantha that they've come over for her help regarding the misrepresentation of witches on Halloween. They're very upset. It apparently makes them cry when they see children dressing up as ugly, ugly witches. They object to classic fairy tales where the witches are the villains instead of the wronged parties. <laughs> that was kind of funny. I, that part, Bertha says the thing about why don't they just tell the truth about Hansel and Gretel? They're just pushy children that were trying to eat a poor old lady's house. Yeah. <laughs> so she doesn't really contradict the fact that that, that little old lady tried to cook them. It, it's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, basically, they they were getting they were going to get what was coming to them. <laughs> Mary says when she sees these ugly old crones, she flies right home and cries herself to sleep. <laughs> They're organizing some sort of basically like a a witch's civil rights movement. Yes, they came to ask Samantha for ideas. What could they do to try to further the stature of witches and get people to stop making fun of them? And they don't seem to have much faith in Darren, or any mortal, when Samantha suggests that he might be able to help. Wait a minute. Darren might have an idea. A mortal? Oh, I don't think so, Samantha. 
Mortals don't seem to know how to do anything too well. Darren's a very good advertising man, and he's familiar with our problem. Uh, but do you think he's interested enough to do anything about it? I'm sure he'd be glad to help us. I think that's a crackerjack notion right up at the time. I'll talk to him as soon as he gets home. He'll probably have some wonderful ideas. She eventually convinces him that it's a good idea, and then they walk off into the wall, their way of leaving. Thanks for the tea, dear. We'll just slip out this way. We had a lovely time. Goodbye. <laughs> Darren is coming home, so they walk off into the wall, and poor Aunt Clara, like she does a million times again in the series, walks into the wall and bonks her head. That poor old actress. They made her do a lot yeah. of physical comedy that looks a little painful. Yes, I agree. I better be running along too, you know. <laughs> Certainly, Aunt Claire. Now, anything you need, let me know. Oh, sure. yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh, goodbye. Oh, goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> Aunt Clara, are you all right? But, oh, what went wrong? You didn't concentrate. So then Samantha just tells her to go out the back door. <laughs> just go out the back door. Thank you, sweetheart. You look tired. Oh, I'm almost finished. What is it you wanted to talk to me about? Well, Darren, I need some professional advice. I was thinking this afternoon. But just about this time of year, somebody should... <laughs> What's that? Darren is working on his ad campaign at the same time that Samantha's coming in to ask him for his help in improving the image of witches. And then she glances down at his drawing board, and lo and behold... It's a hideous caricature of the ugliest witch. It's a Halloween witch for a billboard. You're going to use that picture? Well, it's not quite finished yet. I thought I'd put another wart here. Darren, how could you? You of all people, you should know better. That's the kind of thing we're trying to fight. What are you talking about? That picture, it's offensive. So what do you think of Darren's reaction here? He starts off basically saying she's silly. Because that's the way most people think witches look. Is that any reason to discriminate against a minority group? What minority group? Witches, of course. Sam, people don't believe in witches. What's that got to do with anything? How can you discriminate against something you don't know exists? Don't split hairs. <laughs> yeah, he says you're not a minority group. No one believes you exist. <laughs> Where are you going? I'm going to hang by my feet from a beam in the attic and cackle at the moon. What's the matter with you? Are you serious about this? Of course I am. How would you like it if you were always being represented as something different? I have to say that in this exchange, I think this happens quite a few times in the series where Darren looks at her and says, are you really serious about this? Which is kind of insulting. Like if Brian and I had been fighting for 10 minutes and then he said, no, wait, are you really serious? I would say, <laughs> of course I'm serious. What do you think I've been saying all this time? If I was prejudiced, I wouldn't have married you, would I? Oh, 
Oh, so that's it. You think you did me a big favor. Took the poor little witch in. Quite a sacrifice. Must make you feel very self-righteous, is that it? I may get very sick. Anyone as bigoted as you deserves it. I am not bigoted. Then when he perceives that she's really serious, he says, okay, he'll support her. Witches have feelings just the same as anyone else. When we see those little children running around on Halloween with blacked-out teeth and warts, well, don't you understand? It hurts. Does it really mean that much to you, Sam? Of course it does. I remember when I was a child, Mother and I used to leave the country so you wouldn't have to look at those ugly masks. It was horrible. She claims that he's prejudiced and that her mother was right. Of the many criticisms Endora has had of Darren, it's not one of the ones that I think I've heard her mention. Because, you know, Endora is quite bigoted herself. She's a snob. She's a snob and a half. Endora thinks that humans are beneath her. Correct. And I guess that's a big difference in this particular episode is that these witches, their feelings are hurt. Endora's feelings would never get hurt. Right. She just turned the people into a toad or whatever. Yeah, she spends every Halloween in the south of France, where Halloween is apparently not celebrated, so she just avoids the situation entirely. But it's strange that both Bertha and Mary are so concerned about what's going on in the mortal world. You almost get the vibe that the witches and warlocks that we meet are doing their own thing, and they interact with humans as little as possible. (laughs) Yeah, Darren tells her if he was really prejudiced, then he wouldn't have married Samantha. And it kind of makes you wonder how anyone in a truly mixed marriage would have felt while watching this. Intercultural or interreligious or interracial. Yeah, if they perceive their marriage as mixed. Mixed. It's a pretty incendiary term. I'm in a mixed marriage. I was just going to ask you that. Absolutely. How are you mixed? Well, I am Latino. Oh, that doesn't count. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you better cut that out. <laughs> you, you, you could have asked, are you serious? <laughs> are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> and my husband is uh, one of the blue people. Blue? What do you mean blue? But he's very pale. Oh, yeah. Right. He is pale. He's a definitely... What is his heritage? I don't even know. Uh, German. German. So, yeah, I'm not German, but I'm like English, Irish, and Scotch, and Norwegian. And so do you consider yourself to be in a mixed marriage? No, because Brian had a genetic test, and it was the most boring genetic test ever. (laughs) (laughs) It it actually came back as a loaf of Wonder Bread? Yes, he did. There's like nothing. He's basically Northern Europe and British Isles, and that's it. Hooray! Uh, There's 0.002% of something. I can't remember, like maybe African, but so minuscule. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so it was pretty dull and pretty much exactly what I would expect mine to read. Now, we should get mine, and then we'll find out that I'm just something exotic and not at all what I think I am. You're a gypsy. (laughs) A Romani. Or a witch. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Sorry, a Romani. <laughs> so we probably should mention that Darren tears up his ugly caricature of a witch to appease Samantha. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
I knew you'd understand. I understand perfectly, darling. I just hope Brinkman does. <laughs> and then the next shot, we're in Darren's office with his client the next day, and he's created a new campaign. With witches that are beautiful blondes with pointy bras, extremely scantily clad for the time, with literally this one having a butt cheek sticking out. It is very sleazy, sexy stuff. Yeah, they're wearing long gloves. A bikini top with a torpedo bra, and then they have a, a collar just tied around their neck. <laughs> it's interesting that this is perceived as an acceptable solution for humanizing witches. I know. What I mean, what does that say about Bertha? Yeah, exactly. Is what I want to know. <laughs> yeah. Samantha would never dress like this. No, She's absolutely so not. much more modest than this. That's just the crazy thing. And what does it say about Darren? Because he drew him, Right, right. So she says, make a beautiful witch. And he just like flips open a Playboy and sketches what's ever in there. Well, sketches a (laughs) sex pot. Yeah. I don't understand how this is supposed to be less offensive. So what's the opposite of an ugly witch? And apparently the answer is a super sexy witch. (laughs) (laughs) What about a nice matronly witch? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They're putting this on children's candy. Exactly. It's it's, put a friendly (laughs) mommy witch. That's not what I want. I want an old crone with blacked out teeth. And she and she got warts on on Mr. Brinkman, please listen, listen to me, listen to me for just a minute. Now everyone uses the traditional Halloween witch. But who's to say that they really look like that? Now my idea is to get away from the old stereotype and use a beautiful, well-dressed witch as your trademark. <laughs> Mr. Brinkman looks at Darren like he's a lunatic. Darren starts talking about the bigotry that he sees in it. How would a witch feel? Mr. Brinkman then goes and calls Larry into the room and says, say to him what you just said to me. (laughs) You're nuts. And then Darren gets fired. Yeah. He refuses to compromise, even at the direct orders of Larry Tate, his boss. And he walks out. We should have some bewitched statistics One of them would be, how many times was Darren fired? (laughs) Because it happens all the time. And it's always about him taking some moral stand against Larry. Which would be easy to do, since Larry is so thoroughly amoral. Yeah, Larry's a creep. Samantha feels badly as Darren is hunting through job ads and putting in phone calls to prospective new employers. She actually suggests that Darren apologize to Mr. Brinkman and to Larry, and he refuses. And then she crazily suggests that she could use witchcraft to push Brinkman's candy competitors out of business. Yeah, that is crazy. Like, you don't think of her as doing something mean to innocent people. Maybe those people are nice candy salespeople. Uh, Again, I, I don't think she understands the mortal world. All right, then it's bedtime. It's bedtime, and as Darren sleeps, Samantha calls out to Bertha, Mary, and Aunt Clara to help her. And somehow they already know all about Darren getting fired, and they're more than happy to help. Seriously, these witches are very different from Endora. You know, her penoir in this is much more beautiful than the last episode. Oh, I was hoping that you'd mention it. It's got the baby blue satin collar. It has a little bit more style than the last one. And she goes to the guy's house in it, doesn't she? Uh, yes. 
Yeah, that's kind of scandalous, really, out and about in her nighty. It's very modest nighty, but still, you shouldn't go into another man's room wearing your bedclothes. So the four witches decide that they're going to organize a protest of Mr. Brinkman in his home, and they materialize protest signs. It's very Christmas Carol, don't you think? Uh, Yes. (laughs) And I'm reminded of one more thing when I look at their protest signs, especially. They're pretty uninspired. Yes, except the Coolidge one. (laughs) Vote for Coolidge. (laughs) Samantha's sign reads, We demand a new image. Bertha's reads, Brinkman, unfair to witches. And Mary's reads, witches are people too, with many exclamation marks. I feel like there is some gentle teasing of early feminist protest signs that famously had pretty clunky slogans and bad puns. Yeah, it's nothing like the whole thing about observing a protest now is to try to find the funniest sign. Yeah, cleverest sign. But there was a time, especially in the early years of the ERA, that the signs were terrible. Now the ladies are floating in Brinkman's bedroom. I think they draw on Christmas Carol quite a bit in Bewitched. There are a number of different scenes where somebody's sleeping where they appear and tell them stuff or change their mind or inspire them to think a different way. Teach them a lesson. Teach them a lesson, that's right. What it makes me think of is that there are no new ideas in the world. (laughs) Now I wonder if Dickens thought of it first or if he stole it from somewhere else. I think one only has to go to Shakespeare's Hamlet to think of the visitation (laughs) of spirits. I guess you're right. Precipitating action and uh, dire course of events. What are you doing up there? Just read the signs, Mr. Brinkman. So they make his telephone. He's going to call the police, and it turns into a stupid plastic snake that he's super scared of. When he disbelieves them, they turn his phone into a snake. I think we're meant to believe it's a real snake. (laughs) Then they put him in front of a firing squad, which seems a little extreme. Of French legionnaires, yes. Yeah. (laughs) I do believe in witches. I do believe in witches. And finally, they turn him into a green witch with pustules and a crazy long chin and nose and flat bristle hair. See, there's even three phases to it. Yeah. Christmas Carol, right? Yeah. Three different spells. In the witch makeup, he looks like the Looney Tunes witch. Witch Hazel. Uh, That's sharp enough to split a hair. Split a hair. Did you like Bugs Bunny? I loved Bugs Bunny. That was pretty lukewarm on Bugs Bunny. I thought he was hilarious. <laughs> so the witches leave. Brinkman's back to normal. Yeah, they make him promise to change the advertising campaign before they leave. I'm glad you finally saw my point of view, Mr. Brinkman. I know you won't be sorry. This is the other pinup witch. This one is different. Only the choicest witches eat witches brew candy. Oh, I didn't even see that. Oh, my God, Frank. So this one has a woman laying on her stomach on a lounge sofa. 
This is a brunette. She's got a bare midriff wearing kind of bikini bottoms. It's a cheesecake pose. She's wearing spiky high heels, although her dress has sleeves. Her shirt has sleeves. And Mr. Brinkman seems honestly kind of traumatized and broken in Darren's office. He agrees to everything and then leaves for the police station. Right, for the doorknob theft. All 105 of his doorknobs were stolen the night before. (laughs) I thought that sounded like a lot. I don't (laughs) know. I could could, start thinking about how many doorknobs do I have in my house. 105? He's got a modestly sized bedroom, but apparently there are a lot of rooms in his mansion. He walks out in a daze. Samantha walks in, says hello. He points at her, thinks about it, and then just decides it's not true. He seems to recognize her briefly, but he shakes it off as he's leaving the office. So now we're at the last couple minutes there having a celebratory dinner months later with Larry Tate. Yep. Apparently the gorgeous witch ad campaign has knocked sales up 27%. Larry explains that neither children nor their mothers buy Halloween candy. Fathers do. Oh, and fathers like a sexy broad on a fainting couch (laughs) when they're looking for candy. That's what they want to see. In what world do dads buy the candy? My mom bought our costumes and our candy. My dad would absolutely never have done that. I love my dad a great deal, but that was not his thing. Well, and just think about Darren and Samantha, or Larry and Louise, Tate. Yeah. These wives are at home all day. They don't send their husbands to the market to pick stuff up. They do the shopping. It doesn't make any sense at all. And Larry and Samantha compliment Darren on his instincts. And then Larry asks Darren point blank where he got his idea from. And Samantha quickly interjects and says, It was intuition. And that's something you can't buy. You either have it or you haven't, wouldn't you say? I sure would. And I'd like to propose a toast to Darren's intuition, wherever it comes from. May he never lose it. I'll drink to that. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) And what did we learn in the episode Help, Help, Don't Save Me? Sam cannot take credit for any of his ideas. Yeah, you know, I have to say, though, that Sam would not have drawn those sexy lady witches. (laughs) They seem to have no objections to them. (laughs) No, you're right. They don't. But I think if she'd taken out her pen and said, what's a beautiful witch? She probably would have covered the witch's midriff. Hey, I'm entirely in favor of exploring stereotypes and prejudices, but the episode ignores the older witch's ageism against Aunt Clara. Yes. And their own bigotry against mortals. Yes. And the sexism of the advertising campaign. Yes. So (laughs) in the interest of being more fair and tolerant to a minority group, the witches, many other stones get left unturned. Part of the problem with the shows that conceptualize Samantha as a minority, she really holds all the cards. A minority is typically sort of powerless and downtrodden and, of course, discriminated against as well. But isn't it true that if they wanted to change mortals' attitudes about witches, that they could just cast a spell and change them? Uh, Conceivably. Having the magical element just 
to me often makes it difficult to buy them as the downtrodden. We probably should have mentioned that one of Aunt Clara's defining features, besides wearing a mink stole all the time, is her collection of doorknobs. Which is kind of stereotypic, crazy old lady collecting stuff. It's like she was the original hoarder. (laughs) (laughs) And actually, it was a pastime that the actress shared with Aunt Clara. Oh, really? Yep. All right, Molly. All right. I think it's time for our signature segment, Can We Forgive Darren? Can you forgive Darren, Molly? Um, yeah, I mean, he didn't really do his usual wrong stuff. No, he did anything, a little bit of it, but well, I mean, like I, even what he was doing was in service of a client and giving the client what they asked for. But as soon as Samantha pointed out that it was offensive to her, he argued very briefly and then just tore up his sketch. He did the right and honorable thing and then defended that position till he got fired. Yeah, I agree. Two episodes in a row forgivable. It's kind of freaking me out a little bit. (laughs) Don't worry. He'll disappoint us before long. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure he will. Yeah. And Andorra was nowhere to be found. Yeah. Two episodes in a row as well. Yeah. We'll have to see if maybe those forgivable moments only coincide with her absence. I hope that Agnes Moorhead really was in the south of France. (laughs) She might have been. I like picturing her there. I think she belongs there. In her crazy, silky pajama outfits. Oh, I think I hear the music. It must be time for us to leave. Thank you for joining us. Please join us again next week for the next episode of Bewitched. Until then, you can check out some of the other shows in the Piwacket Podcast Network, including... The Brothers Grimmer with Frank and Bert. And Kindred Spirits with Bert and Stephen. And Knuckle Sandwiches with Frank and Jason. Well, until next time. Until next time. is a production of the Piwacket Podcast Network. Our opening song is sung by Melissa Arning. A special thanks to Melissa for letting us use it. Did you Excellent. close up on that curvaceous witch, the first drawing? I, I paused it. Yeah, I, I, I had to pause it to take a really good look at what it was. I thought, how did the censors miss this? I mean, it is on the screen very briefly. It is a flash. Now that we can stop it, we know what's <laughs> yeah. on there. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that the audience back then didn't know what they quite saw. My kid's step-grandpa is kind of a famous pinup artist. It looks just like one of his pinups.
something that would be hidden in the mechanic shop or something, you know, on the wall. Not sure. Something for a commercial for candy for children. Yeah. Bizarre. It is absolutely bizarre. Agreed. 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 I went totally out of order, though. So no, no. that's to... the, Well, we, we may revisit some of that when we get to yeah. it. Or I can also grab this portion of the conversation and drag it over to when we get that to that part of the episode. I've done that many times. I just like to make it challenging for you. You, you do. You do. I often have to reorganize <laughs> your thoughts. <laughs> I'm sure you do. I wish you were here every day. <laughs> Nonsense. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to become the... Uh, what is it? And the the mental organizer? Yeah. Just come up and say, no, Molly, that's part B. Go back. <laughs> Clearly your thought process is working for you. <laughs> Even if it's not necessarily podcast ready. Yeah. Well, thank goodness you edit everything. I think she might have been playing the hillbilly housekeeper in Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte. She played a hillbilly housekeeper in that? Oh yeah. She plays pure apocalyptic trailer trash wow what range i know oh so you're finally showing the right side of your face ain't you well i've seen it all the time that's some kind of drug that you've been giving her you've been making her act the way she's been well i'm going into town and i'm going to tell them what you've been up to I'm going to have to look up some more Agnes Moorhead movies. Well, the first film that I always remember her from is Citizen Kane. She has a very small but great role at the very beginning as Charles Foster Kane's mother. And then the next film I think of is The Bat with Vincent Price, where she plays kind of a Ms. Marple sleuth who solves a series of murders. How old is she in that? She's old in every film that I recognize her from. I don't remember her ever being young in the movies. That would be a reason to look her up, because I know I've seen pictures of her as a young ingenue. You know, she was a pretty young actress, but maybe she never got any solid roles until she was older. Possibly. Yeah. Look, an hour and three minutes. So much better than last I week. <laughs> I fear I was much more boring, though, without my with my painful toe and no whiskey. Aw. Yeah.